We hope you'll enjoy a hike up the stairs and enjoy the summit of Charlotte's Mount Jesse Browns. Whatever it takes for support on a hike, flies, rods, and reels by a stream, or just looking like the rugged outdoors person that you are, Jesse Browns has you covered. It is the summit where the outdoors are always in fashion, and your adventure is the most important. Free elevator rides are available to the summit as well, and an invitation to visit jessebrowns.com too. Hey, it's summertime in the Carolinas, and many of us are going to be outside hiking, fishing, camping. And when we're camping, we may look up, especially if we're away from the city and the city lights, look up and what are we going to see? Welcome, everyone, to the Carolina Outdoors. We have Bill Barty on this side of your radio dial. And Wes Lawson on this side. Bill, you know, I was thinking you were talking about cicadas falling out of trees or something. <laughs> but this is a lot more interesting and a lot less scary for a lot of our folks, I think. I think so. What happens when you look up? You see UFOs. Well, we may we may get into that a little bit later with our conversation. But for the conversation, we're going to bring on Will Snyder. He's the manager of the St. Louis Science Center's James S. McDonald Planetarium. He's a graduate of Clarion University of Pennsylvania Honors College with a degree in astrophysics. He's also the former director of both the Ingram Planetarium in Sunset Beach, North Carolina, and the Lynn Planetarium Mm -hmm. at the Shield Museum of Natural History right here uh, outside of Charlotte. He's helped thousands to better appreciate the wonders of the cosmos, and he's going to help us on the Carolina outdoors know what's happening in our sky. Will Snyder, welcome to the Carolina outdoors. Oh, thank you so much for having me with a build-up like that. I better not disappoint. No, and you know you will not. We've had you on here before, and we're always thrilled about finding out what's going to happen up in the sky and what is happening up in the sky. So just generally speaking, Will, many of us, and in that intro, you heard it, we're going to be out camping away from the city lights. um, So we don't have to put up with that pollution, that light pollution. When we look up, what are we going to see this summer of 2022? Oh, man, this is a great summer for looking up. You're absolutely right, especially as you're getting away from those lights of the city or anywhere else. And the nice thing we've got going on this summer is a lot of exciting things with the planets. And for anyone that's already been looking at the sky, throughout much of June, you've had to get up basically right at sunrise, you know, four, five in the morning, and we've had a parade of planets across the sky, which is nice, but getting up in the morning isn't for everybody. So as the summer goes on and we enter into July and into August, especially the two showstoppers, Jupiter and Saturn will be moving into the evening sky, and those will be two bright points of light people will be seeing basically throughout all the summer. And they're great that you can see them with your eyes, or if you are lugging a telescope out, nothing compares to seeing Saturn's rings or Jupiter's moons. And this is this summer, we have an opportunity to see five planets in such a way that we won't see again for almost 20 years. Is that right? You're right. So right now we have all five visible planets in the morning sky, and we call them the visible planets. That's Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, because they're visible with the unaided eye. No telescope required, and it's not necessarily rare to see all five at once, 
But what's exciting now is that when you look towards the east in the morning, they are all lined up in the order they are from the sun. So if you start on the horizon, you'll come to Mercury first, and you can just step your way up through Venus and onwards, and it's a pretty nice treat. And it's like, it, you know, I don't know if it's this way the whole summer, but, it, you know, Mercury's on one end, and it's going to end with the moon on the other most, most mornings. Is that right? So the moon's been stepping its way right now over the last week or so through those planets, and that's sort of the cool thing you can see, because the moon moves differently than the stars and the planets in the mm-hmm. sky as it orbits us here on Earth. And that means from night to night, you can notice a big change with where the moon is. So if anyone has been watching the morning sky, you've been able to see each day the moon step through that parade and visit a new planet in the sky. That's pretty cool, Bill. I think it's all pretty cool. I'm going to tell you something that's pretty cool. Let me tell you about my camping trip. It was last summer, and Will and Wes, I was outdoors uh, camping, and I looked up, coincidentally, I may say, and saw about four to five dozen moving stars. They were all lined up in fairly uniform fashion, and I thought, we're being attacked you're about to be probed. <laughs> so a quick Google search. Yeah, well, I really thought. I thought, whoa, I'm getting Independence Day all over again. Um, a quick Google search told me that it was a Starlink satellite um, display. or They had all been launched by, I think it's SpaceX. Um, so they had 50-plus satellites in a row. Now, Will, I know we're talking about natural things, stars, planets, moons, suns. But what about these days and the man-made satellites? Do you, as, a, as in the planetarium or otherwise when you're educating, are you talking about those types of things that we have in our, in our atmosphere or above Earth's atmosphere these days? Oh, we absolutely are. And satellites are one of those things that really capture people's attention. Just like you're saying, when you see one of those Starlink satellite trains, like a string of pearls just moving across the sky, I mean, it it seems unnatural. It seems unreal. You definitely want to know what it is. So we get lots of questions about satellites. And in terms of viewing them, the International Space Station is always going to be one of the brightest, and you can see that normally either around sunset or around sunrise. But over the last few years, the number of satellites, especially due to companies like SpaceX, has just exploded around our planet. Uh, So especially over the summer, if you're out camping, you get away from those city lights, it's very likely you're going to see lots of satellites overhead. What else might we find? I know know, constellations have their season Mm -hmm. for us as well. What are some of the more dominant constellations that stargazers might see that they could recognize fairly easily because I don't have the creativity of the ancient Greeks and others to be able to quite line up everything and say, (laughs) that looks like a crab or that looks like a bear. What are they going to find? Well, don't feel too bad, because we're the first to admit that a lot of those constellations don't look like what they're supposed to. You know, people <laughs> long ago had lots of time on their hands, active imaginations, but we can start easy in the summer, because even though you've got to stay up fairly late for it to get dark now with the sun setting uh, late into the evening, there are a lot of bright stars overhead. And during the summer months, we have a really easy shape called the summer triangle. You can probably guess what that's going to look like. You know, just a big triangle of three bright stars in the sky. That is high overhead during the summer months. Very easy to spot. Not a lot of imagination. But 
it is a little boring, you know, it's a triangle. So if you do want to try to picture some of what the Greeks and the others saw, I'd say the easiest constellation during the summer that looks a bit like what it's supposed to be is Scorpius the Scorpion, one of the famous zodiac constellations. It's shaped like a big letter J low in the sky, and it shines with a bright red star, Antares, at its heart. That's you know, bright red star Antares sounds like we're about to launch into some science fiction. That's pretty fascinating. There are other major constellations, and one in particular I have for years thought I was always looking at, and I wasn't, and it's the Big Dipper. Mm. When when is that out? When or for us? When can we see it? And what's so important about it? Why do we like sure, it so, so much? The big- now, the Big Dipper is one of those things where seven bright stars in the shape of a spoon, and we learn about it as a child, but it's not officially a constellation. And that sounds like I'm splitting hairs, because it basically is. It's considered an asterism. Asterisms are unofficial patterns of stars. So that means you, I, anybody can go outside. We can make our own asterisms. Well, constellations have been internationally agreed upon by astronomers all across the world. So all of this is a long way of saying the Big Dipper is part of a larger pattern named Ursa Major, the Big Bear. Uh, The bowl and handle of the Big Dipper is sort of the rear end and tail of the bear in the sky, so not really the part you want to look at, I guess. Uh, But during the summertime, we can see it. It is going to be high overhead after the sun goes down. And interesting thing about it is, unlike our constellations that change with the seasons, you can see the Big Dipper in Ursa Major all year long. It will just be high or low in the north, depending on when you go outside. Consider Wes's world just got rocked. The next thing he's going to say is Pluto is not a planet. Well, no, Bill. Oh, let's not talk about See, see, (laughs) where I was going was Will just called you an asterism. (laughs) And them's fighting words, I think. Just don't call me late for dinner. (laughs) Will Will Snyder is our guest. He's from the St. Louis Science Center's James S. McDonald Planetarium. And, Will, you've got a great bunch of knowledge, but you have spent a lot of time in cities And a lot of cities have a lot of light pollution, whether it be the Charlotte metro area, whether it be the St. Louis metro area. A lot of young people these days, as we Mm -hmm. um, are talking about constellations, don't have the same ability because of that light pollution to see these things. What are you finding as you talk to not just the youth, but the people in uh, uh, the cities that you have worked about the status of education and astronomy? You're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's something that, especially over the last several years, LED lights have gotten even cheaper and easier to put up. So light pollution definitely is an issue when you're trying to observe the stars from any sort of area, uh, like the city or even suburban areas now. And that does take its toll. In a lot of ways, most people growing up now don't know what they're missing. And that's why being able to take those trips, be it camping in the summer out to the country or even coming into a planetarium like ours to be able to see a clear, dark sky. Um, it's something I see daily is really a fundamental moving experience for people. Uh, when we take away light pollution in our planetarium sky, there are oohs and ahs, and you can tell it's something that people haven't seen before. But once they see it, uh, it is a connection they have with humans going back generations as we've all looked up to that same sky. 
Carolina outdoor lovers listening to the Carolina Outdoors are getting up for some getting out for some summer enjoyment outside. Will Snyder is helping us find out what is going to be up in the sky when we look up. Of course, the summer days are a bit longer. So to his point earlier, you pick and choose when you get to see the best of the stars and of the constellations um, later into the evening after the sun has completely gone down or early in the morning before that sun has come up. But Will, speaking of the sun and I'm really going to get an education about this because there's a lot being made about the solar season. New storms, new sunspots, new solar winds that are coming from our sun. What does that mean to us and 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 how does it affect us the new solar cycle, if you will? Um can you explain on that a bit? Yeah, I'm really glad you bring that up because, well, in astronomy, we often talk a lot about what's up in the sky at night, you know, all day long. We've got a pretty important star, the sun up there in the sky, and it's something we take for granted. You know, we're not supposed to look right at it, of course. It just seems like this bright old thing in the sky. But the sun has a lot of interesting things going on with it. And you bring up the point that the sun goes through periods of activity. We have a roughly 11-year solar cycles where sometimes the sun has low activity versus high. And we have recently started a new solar cycle. The sun has been ramping up. And so far in 2022, it really hasn't disappointed. We've had lots of sunspots, lots of solar flares that we can see when we're safely looking at the sun through solar telescopes or other means. And it's also getting us excited for two solar eclipses that we have coming up in the next two years here in the United States. So that's kind of fascinating. We haven't had one of those in a couple of years. Um, when roughly are those? And the other quick question that I have on that is mm-hmm. with a solar telescope, what does that look like? Since we can't look at the sun through a magnifying glass of any variety lest we go blind, mm-hmm. how awesome is a solar <laughs> telescope? Uh, You're exactly right. And again, we always want to caution people, you never look directly at the sun with your eyes. And if you took a regular old telescope, you're only going to damage your eyes even quicker at that rate. So there are different ways you can safely observe the sun with telescopes. Uh, Some of the easiest is they, uh, through reputable suppliers, they make solar filters. If you can picture from the solar eclipse back in 2017, those glasses people would put on to watch the eclipse. A similar material goes on a normal telescope. And those are usually white light filters. So the sun looks white. You can pick out sunspots pretty well. But there are other types of solar telescopes. We use hydrogen alpha a lot, which sounds like a fancy name, but really all that means is you're looking at a specific type of light coming from the sun, uh, from hydrogen atoms. And with those, that's a lot easier to see. Prominences, sort of the the big loops of plasma and material coming up off the surface of the sun. We can see granulation in the photosphere and a lot of detail that would go uh, unnoticed in other ways. So before we talk about solar eclipses for just a moment, all of that is incredibly fascinating. Mm. My, my curious question is, what does all of that mean for us or to us? You know, solar flares well, and storms, question. Like what, how, does that, how does that affect us or does it, it not? It better not mess up our reception on WBT Radio. <laughs> Now, and that's a good point, because you do hear people talk a lot with solar flares about how they can impact us here on Earth. Um, and the sun is always streaming out charged particles into space. But whenever 
a larger solar flare or even some of the largest eruptions called coronal mass ejections from the sun. And when those come towards Earth, they can damage satellites, they can impact our electric grid, depending on how big it is. So learning about the sun and watching for space weather, as we call it, is something really important with the more technology and electronics that we bring into our lives. The more advanced notice we have of a big solar flare allows us to either turn satellites off and do other precautions to be able to protect them so that we can keep using them. Well, and there's a bit of unknown with that because of all of our satellites. Um, you know, that's all kind of new, and the traffic is newer for this solar cycle, too. So I guess there's a little bit of a, a learning curve for all of us, if you will, I have done some reading that um, many of the satellites are having to be pushed up a little higher uh, above Earth's atmosphere because of the solar flares and storms and otherwise are pushing them down further. Hmm. So it's a bit of a cleansing exercise, especially for satellites that are in a lower orbit. That's all oh, I've absolutely. got. Absolutely, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's all I've got right there. <laughs> so, before I derailed the whole conversation, when are these upcoming solar eclipses, and are they going to be as monumental as that one in 2017? So everyone remembers the total solar eclipse in 2017, mm-hmm. and in the Carolinas, we had a front row seat as that path of totality came right through our area. And this time's going to be a little different. So coming up next year in October of 2023, we're going to have an annular solar eclipse in the American Southwest. And what that means is annular eclipses are sometimes called ring of fire because the moon is slightly farther away in its orbit, so it can't completely block out the sun's light. And you get a ring of light around um, the moon in the sky, which can look nice in its own right. Totality for that will be in the American Southwest, so that'll be a partial of about uh, 50% here in the Carolinas. But the main event will be in April of 2024. That'll be another total solar eclipse like we saw in 2017. It'll sweep up from Mexico through the Midwest and go up through the Great Lakes. Uh, Again, we won't be in the path of totality in the Carolinas, so it would be a partial here. But it is close enough that lots of people will be traveling that spring to get to see that great event of totality. And if they miss it in 2024, we won't get to see another total eclipse in the United States until 2045. Will Snyder, a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for being on. You are from the St. Louis Science Center, the website slsc.org the manager of the James S. McDonald Planetarium. We could go on and on, but thank you for your knowledge and your time with us here on the Carolina Outdoors. Thank you all for having me. It's always a blast. Super fun. Remember, when you are looking up in that sky, what you see, and thanks to Will Snyder for helping open our eyes to what we are seeing. We're going to take a quick break. With Wes Lawson, I'm Bill Barty. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors.